0: You're starting into the program a little bit late. You'll be able to get a link and download whatever you've missed. And thanks a bunch. This has been Catherine for WBAI.
1: Yo, check this out. This is Chuck, your public enemy, number one, the rebel without a pause, bringing the noise and fighting the power right here to the Sights and Sounds. That's right, Sights 99.5 WBAI. It might start thinking too much, but yeah Yeah, yeah
0: Good morning and welcome back to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live on WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz and this is a special edition of Waking Up. I'll be be here with you until 8 o'clock. Juliana Forlano is back with you on Tuesday. So just to start off, we have some good looking weather here in New York as we head into Memorial Day weekend. Good news there. National Weather Service says it's going to be sunny and breezy today, high of around 75. Right now, it is approximately 67 in New York. So glad to have you with us. Uh, this is a, uh, a really exciting time for WBAI. We have some really good guests coming on in just a little bit, and uh, I'm excited about that. But I'm also very happy to be here in the studio today, and I'm here with uh, Ilana and Michael. We are your team for this morning. and. Uh, Uh, On behalf of all of us, I'd really like to just take one second and to ask you uh, to please consider checking out our More Than Mics campaign. That's our, our uh, project here that we're working on to complete our new master control studio so we can bring you better sound, better phone lines for your calls. We're just a few thousand dollars away from the finish line on that project. And by the way, it is looking great. We just need to get there just a little further. So if you believe in independent, listener-supported radio, help us out. Help us get there. 516 620 3602 that's 516620360 too, and ask for the More Than Mike's program. If you uh, give a donation of, I believe, $50, you actually may have a chance to uh, to win the opportunity to come in and see the new completed studio during the broadcast of one of your favorite programs. Uh, kind of a cool deal. Uh, please check it out. You can also go to WBAI.org and just click on the donate button. Or if you have your phone in your hand, as most of us do <laughs> pretty much uh, all hours of the day, text WBAI.org to four one four 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 that's four one four 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 so if you could help us raise about a thousand dollars during this hour that would be great and your generosity really helps us Keep all these great public affairs programs on the air. Democracy Now!, which is coming up right after us. We have City Watch, Joy of Resistance. Uh, We even have my regular show that's called Driving Forces. I co-host that uh, every Thursday with the one and only Jeff Simmons. So uh, if you want to start this Friday by taking a stand for free speech, independent, non-commercial radio, please give us a call, 516-620-3602. 516-620-3602 516-620-3602 or just go to B A I W B A I dot org. It's that easy. So now that we are sort of settling in here and uh, waking up a little bit, uh, you know just a just another casual week in uh, news and politics of course. Uh, nothing, nothing really going on. Uh, As a matter of fact, I was, uh, texting with Alana as we were on our way into the studio and it's like, oh, how about that? Uh, Theresa May's stepping down. Looks like Brexit has, uh, completely, uh, gone up the, uh, gone up the spout there. So, uh, obviously she's going to be stepping down, I believe in June, but this is, uh, clearly the end of an ongoing struggle there, uh, to answer the question of whether uh, whether the UK would stay in or leave the, uh, the European Union. Uh, she is going to uh, announce her uh, resignation formally, but uh, actually she has it to say uh, uh, in what is described here by CNN as a tearful speech finally bowing to intense political pressure over the failure to deliver her signature policy, policy. Britain's withdrawal from the European Union. So that will be interesting to see as far as what reverberations that may have for the uh, for the rest of the European Union, for the United States, uh, for the entire world, actually. This is something that's been very, very divisive, uh, something that has brought up a lot of other questions about immigration policies, about uh, protectionism, about uh, globalism versus closed borders and so on, about nationalism, about populism. So definitely going to be keeping an eye on what happens uh, as we see that... Uh, uh, Theresa May is going to be stepping away in the, uh, the wake of her failure to, uh, to accomplish what she was seeking to do there on Brexit. So we're going to move over for a moment now. Uh, The 2020 campaign scene, my personal favorite uh, topic and uh, something always going on there. Um, Thought this was kind of interesting this morning, a little bit different than the standard stump speech kind of stuff. Uh, The New York Times and other outlets are reporting that a growing number of Democratic candidates for president are joining forces with McDonald's workers who are striking in a push for better treatment. These workers are seeking a $15 minimum wage, the right to unionize, and stronger protection from sexual harassment on the job. White House hopefuls joining the movement include former Vice President Joe Biden, Senators Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Kamala Harris of California, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, and Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, as well as Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York and Major, Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana. And the scramble to express support for workers comes as all these Democrats are courting labor support as they fight for the chance to take on President Donald Trump in 2020's general election. Uh, some of those candidates, not all of them, which is a, a separate issue. But uh, some of the candidates are also weighing in on uh, Thursday's federal indictment of Julian Assange. Uh, the WikiLeaks founder was found, was charged with violating the Espionage Act. And this is an expansion of an existing conspiracy case involving former army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning. Uh, the Washington Post noted that, quote, the new charges carry potential consequences not just for Assange, but also for others who publish classified information. And they could change the delicate balance in U.S. law between press freedom and government secrecy, unquote. So it's something to, to keep in mind uh, far beyond Assange himself. Uh, Assange uh, currently faces uh, overseas charges of sexual misconduct. As I'm sure you remember, he was uh, uh, in exile for quite a while, was uh, then uh, subsequently arrested in London. He is now fighting extradition to America. And speaking of America, where we are, welcome home. Uh, Just for a change, President Donald Trump and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi have been going insult for insult after Trump walked out of a White House meeting with her and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer this week after less than five minutes in the room. Uh, The president referred to Pelosi as, quote, crazy Nancy and called himself, quote, an extremely stable genius, as the AP reported. Pelosi said Trump's family or staff might just have to stage a, quote, intervention for the good of the country. So those are some of the uh, the headlines that we're looking at this morning. Uh, obviously, we have a lot going on uh, coming up to Memorial Day. You see, typically a lot of the candidates will be moving around. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I host uh, co-host a program called Driving Forces that's on Thursdays at 5 p.m. here on WBAI, and we spoke to a couple of uh, of reporters who have. Varying, uh, uh, varying roles in covering this campaign. And particularly, we were interested, of course, uh, being here in New York, uh, in the rollout of uh, the presidential campaign of our own Mayor Bill de Blasio, who spent some time in uh, Iowa, South Carolina, trying to make a case that uh, he has faced uh, Donald Trump on his home turf, that he is the best guy for the job. Um, de Blasio, clearly somebody who's been trying to raise his national profile for quite a while. Uh, so we spoke to Nolan Hicks of the New York Post, who spent some time with him on the trail, and we also spoke to Ivan Pereira of AM New York uh, about what's going on in uh, in the battleground states, in the early voting states, and uh, what's going to go on here at home, uh, You know, who's kind of running the show while the mayor is out and about. Uh, now, as you, I'm sure, remember, this is not necessarily the easiest uh, thing to do, jump from being mayor of New York City to being president of the United States, and uh, as far as I can tell, it is so difficult that in fact, it has never happened. So uh, Mayor de Blasio, obviously, being mayor of New York gives you something of a high profile. Uh, people know who he is. But on the other hand, he seriously uh, disadvantaged situation there in terms of money in terms of uh, name identification up against people like Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, you know, uh, even, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, who has just made a swing through New York City recently, actually, and uh, apparently got acquainted with our uh, our pleasant traffic problems, if you are sitting in traffic right now. I am sorry, but I am happy at the same time that you are listening to WBAI. Uh, so we will see, obviously, what is going to go on with uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio and uh, his campaign, really just getting started there. And um, I think that uh, President Trump, of course, has already weighed in on that, uh, something to the effect of Mayor de Blasio being the worst mayor ever, destroying the city, or uh, generally unflattering comments, as you would uh, undoubtedly expect. Um, but uh, it's uh, not the first time somebody's tried this either. We had thought for a while that a former mayor, of course, Mayor uh, Mike Bloomberg, uh, three-term mayor, unusual thing in itself, uh, here in New York, uh, was going to take a crack at it. He had some uh, similarly unflattering things to say about Donald Trump, actually, at the 2016 Democratic National Convention. Uh it was a sort of a, a billionaire to billionaire beatdown, if you want to call it that, or if you want to be sure that Donald Trump is a billionaire, because I still have not seen his tax returns as much as I would like to. Uh, if anybody would like to send a copy of those tax returns, we can be reached right here at 388 Atlantic Avenue in scenic Brooklyn, New York. So, um, again, that is uh, uh, something that we're going to we're going to keep looking at. And a little bit later in the show, we are also going to be asking you uh, to give us a call and let us know what you think. What do you think about Bill de Blasio running for mayor? I mean, look, uh, I was I've been a reporter for for quite a while. I've only been here at BI since. I believe September, but I've been a a reporter in uh, one format or another for an embarrassingly long time, I'm going to say 20 years, which means I started when I was 10. That's not exactly right. But uh, I did cover, for example, the uh, 2008 presidential campaign of uh, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani. He was seeking the Republican nomination for president at that time. Uh, He did have some uh, some Recognition, some name ID uh, around the country. He was uh, known as "quote unquote" America's Mayor uh, at the time in the wake of uh, 9/11, and he did pursue this sort of strategy where he kind of didn't spend a lot of time in Iowa, New Hampshire, uh, places like that, where uh, candidates typically try to sort of run up their, uh, run up their ID and run up their. Uh, Popularity, create some momentum. He sort of made this play for Florida, which was voting later in the cycle. And uh, as I recall, that was uh, where the campaign came to an end rather dramatically. I was, uh, I think I'd already moved on to the McCain campaign at that time, but I seem to remember something about the press bus just not ever showing up at the hotel again and uh, everybody moving on with their lives. So certainly not an easy thing to run for president, uh, certainly not an easy thing in particular for mayors to run for president but we are going to have some guests coming up with us very shortly that are uh, are going to help us uh, parse all of this out And uh, speaking of which, I'm going to go to one of them right now. Very excited to welcome to the program Rick Klein. He is the political director of ABC News. He runs the network's political coverage. You've seen his stories and his analyses on shows like Good Morning America and World News throughout the entire ABC network. And if you're like me, you consider The Note a must-read big-time and long-time fan. So, Rick, great to have you here on Waking Up on BAI.
1: Hey, thanks a lot. great to be with you.
0: Thanks. So uh, maybe we'll just uh, begin at the beginning here. We just ran through a bunch of stuff, but I wanted to hear what you thought were, were some of the, the week's biggest storylines in either uh, the White House, Congress, election, uh, you know, what, what really is jumping out at you as we round up the week here.
1: Yeah, I th- Pelosi versus Trump was the big one for me. And uh, the feud's continuing online overnight and, uh, with, uh, with the president tweeting out a, a very misleadingly edited Video of uh, of Nancy Pelosi, but I, I was just struck by how much it seemed like Pelosi had Trump's number. Just understood exactly how to get under his skin. Um, he storms out of this meeting and calls out the Democrats. Uh, but in a way, I think Pelosi and the Democrats—they're liberated now because they, they can just say, "Forget the policy stuff. Let's focus on where it was going to be anyway on politics." You know, so let's talk to Democrats. A lot of them were worried about Trump setting traps for them that there'd be policy out there that they could. Um, be kind of almost tricked into 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 supporting because it would be a policy they wanted, but really it would be a political trap. And I just feel like they have to worry a little bit less about that now because that that part of the Trump presidency is over.
0: Let's just walk back for one second there because I think this might be of of interest to uh, to our listeners, and maybe they didn't have a chance to catch it. But going back to this uh, to this uh, edited, you might say, or enhanced. Unenhanced video uh, to describe that because that what I what I saw of that was uh, uh, kind of weird.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it's a, a speech that she gave to the Center for uh, Center for American Progress earlier this week, and um, it was a rather unremarkable speech. But uh, with just a couple of uh, a couple of creative, uh, I think, malicious edits, it made it look like she was slurring her words and, and getting lost, and maybe even drunk. It just it was 100 percent, it was to my mind, misleadingly edited, um, and I think intentionally so. And the president um, tweeting it out, I think, gives it a little bit extra stature, more stature than it deserves. It actually highlights something for us. I think we all have to be worried about in this cycle as journalists and as news consumers, which is it's easier than ever to manipulate video, audio, make it seem real, uh, deep fakes. And this is going to be a real issue. And uh, to see the president himself tweet it out uh, without... Uh, without explaining uh, that that has been uh, that has been misleadingly done, I think is is going to be problematic as we try to unpack what's true in the cycle.
0: That that is interesting, and I think it's uh, to your point, exceptionally meaningful. Perhaps that uh, the president is is not even just tacitly endorsing those kind of tactics. I mean, but but embracing them. Uh, we've seen him tweet out uh, other things. We've seen him tweet out uh, stuff from accounts like. Uh, Prison planet, these sort of very alt right, very xenophobic yeah. type, uh, you know, uh, presences. Um, you know, what what do you think of anything that can the Democrats do? Do they have to? Do they have to sort of fight back, or do they have to? Uh, do they have to? Uh, when they go low, we go high. Kind of.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a tough. I, I think it's one of those areas where I, I don't know how you start to play that game. I mean, we've seen this many times. I think people have made the, the point that. Whenever you think you're going low against Trump, he can go lower, and he has a willingness to do that. I don't see an upside for, for the president's political opponents in trying to mimic those tactics. I feel like it blows up on them uh, more, much more likely than not. Um, but I did think it was telling. I mean, the, I think closely to used some of the president's tactics, not the misleading editing thing and the and the, the Twitter insults thing. But I think by by suggesting just yesterday that maybe the family needed to stage an intervention. That was a kind of personal dig, and I think he, I think she knew what she was doing and getting under his skin with it. So you can do some of that, I think, as a political opponent, but you know, no one has really cracked the Trump code. It does seem to me like Pelosi may have come the closest, though, in, in understanding what makes him tick and, uh, and responding accordingly. And, you know, she ends the week strong as ever uh, is, uh, in her position of leadership, which is no small task given the um, division's, were that were, uh, that were uh, you know, kind of at the heart of the debate over impeachment
0: throughout the week one more thing before we move on from the uh, the the tweets because I, I just can't help it I, it always seems like uh, there's sort of a there's sort of a subtext to uh, Trump doing things like that I, maybe he gets a, a certain satisfaction or you know he excites his base certainly by you know crazy Nancy or wacky Jackie or, or you know what is it sleepy Joe is it Sleepy Joe Biden? Sleepy Joe uh, and Creepy Joe. I oh,
1: sleep, both both Sleepy, Sleepy, Creepy.
0: Yeah. Um, so, but in terms of the Democrats even responding to that, I mean, no matter what they do, uh, I, it seems to me that one of the dangers would be just sort of being distracted. You know, I mean the, every minute they spend talking about that is a the minute they don't spend talking about what kind of job he's doing as president or about health care or about, uh, you know, Brexit blowing up or any of these things. I mean, do you feel like the Democrats have a, a danger of getting sucked in in terms of the campaign side as well as the congressional side
1: sure and I, you know i legitimately don't know what democrats want as a block of voters i mean there's there's a there's a definite sense inside the democratic party that they want a puncher. they want someone who's going to go after this guy and and hit him hard um others are saying no let's not get distracted so i it's good you know the nomination is going to be a hard-fought fight and you know, maybe it lands with the person that's able to to square the circle of uh, of figuring out Donald Trump. I remember well, as I'm sure you do, Celeste, during the during the the uh, the primary campaign in in 2016 when when Marco Rubio decided to go low against. Uh, I guess President Trump and started making fun of his hand size, suggesting you know that he had some problems on the on the you know, behind a podium, and you know there was a little bump of interest. <laughs> Grace, in graceful campaign.
0: phrasing there, Rick. Very graceful. I, I, Thank you.
1: Family radio program. Yes, lot, it is. So trying to keep it, trying to keep it clean. So uh, it, 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 the, the, there was a bump of interest in his campaign, and people thought, well, maybe he figured it out. But that was the beginning of the end, in retrospect. And Trump could go lower, and did go lower, and, and eviscerated Rubio, and act, had some help from Chris Christie among others, and. And ending that campaign um, sooner than he wanted it ended. So, you know, again, he's, he's just such a he's such a unique figure in American politics. No one has figured that out. Um, we'll see if Pelosi has a bit of a roadmap. Uh, history suggests that uh, anyone that thinks they have it figured out uh, learns otherwise pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're really right about the, the Democratic Party, and, and you know maybe some of the listeners here might not be happy to hear it, but I, was, I, I just happened to be talking to uh, David Webb at, uh, over at uh, SiriusXM about this yesterday, and he said, uh, as a conservative, he personally, and presumably the president, would love to see the Democrats keep you know, knocking each other out and uh, having this sort of uh, intramural fight. I mean, what, what could possibly be better for a sitting president who's raising a bunch of money?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, and, and, and the smart strategy, if you're if you're President Trump, is to stay above that in some way. But that's not how he would would thinks about these things. So he's going to punch down occasionally. I mean, I think you know there's, there is definitely, his 23 candidates, The Democrats are going to have to figure a lot of things out over the coming months. Things will look different on the other side of the nomination fight, and there will be another side of the nomination fight. The Trump era reminds us that um, nothing seems to last very long in the news cycle. So. Um, I think a lot of this stuff will work itself out and really depend on who the person is and what the ticket looks like uh, going, into, going into next fall. But it's going to be ugly until then. If this president is going to um, use misleadingly edited videos as part of his repertoire. It just makes it that much worse.
0: If you're just joining us, this is Waking Up on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz, and we're talking to Rick Klein. He is the political director of ABC News. And uh, Rick, I uh, I want to jump over to something that's still related to the White House, but uh, a little bit, a little bit uh, different uh, angle here. I was looking at uh, this statement uh, that just came out uh, from the White House uh, that the intelligence community will, quote, fully cooperate with Attorney General William Barr's investigation into surveillance activities during the 2016 presidential election. Uh, can you, like, translate that for, for us a little bit? How, how uh, concerned or not concerned should we be about that?
1: This is investigating the investigators. The president has made clear it's a priority, and in the wake of the Mueller report, he's charged the attorney general with um, with doing so, and this is looking at the origins of the investigation. So this memo makes formal the administration's cooperation. I think it has some really interesting implications, because it gives the attorney general a whole lot of power to declassify information as part of the investigation. Go wherever he wants inside the government. I also noticed a little detail to say that this power expires uh, if there's ever a vacancy in the office of attorney general. So that means this is bars and bars alone. And you don't have to worry about, um, well, you know, uh, the attorney general with a future president uh, having carte blanche like this, or if there's an issue with bar uh, another person that may not be as loyal to the president. Um, you know, I, I spoke with uh, our legal analyst, David Abrams earlier in the week, and I just asked him a simple question. He says Barr acting as the lawyer, presidency's lawyer or the president's lawyer, and he says it's definitely the president. And, and I think Barr, the, the, the loyalty he's shown to the president, the, the contrast with Jeff Sessions, we know the president's happy with that. Right. Uh, and, and this is going to go in some really interesting places because you've got now the Justice Department saying, we're going to find out how this thing started. We're going to figure out uh, whether and how political motivations played into those extraordinary 2016 investigations.
0: Exactly. I was, uh, that is, uh, I was exactly going to go there and say, you know, if you wanted to talk about Trump's attitude towards loyalty and uh, attorney generals, you could ask Jeff Sessions if you could find yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, that that might be the, uh, the, the challenge. And then um, another thing, uh, I don't know if this is— Quite the perfect segue, but I did want to ask you real quick about uh, the situation with the federal indictment of uh, Julian Assange and uh, some people clearly looking at that, you know, the use of the Espionage Act uh, in this case as uh, uh, saying a little more than just uh, having a problem with Assange. Like, this could be a big problem for you and me and uh, every reporter that is ever interested in, in looking into things the government may not care for us to have.
1: Right. I mean, the key thing here is that, they, that Assange has been gone after for um, fostering, for fomenting the release of classified information. Uh, so uh, basically, the, the charge is that he helped Chelsea Manning um, get, you know, shake loose a whole lot of documents that had personal details and were classified details, classified information, uh, and that he knew so, and in that in the, in the process was committing espionage. The issue there is it's really hard to discern what's different about what Assange did there. This is not 2016. This, is not, this has nothing to do with the election. It also has nothing to do with publication. But what did Assange do there that was different than what investigative journalists, national security journalists do all the time, which is you, you try to learn things. You try to get documents. You try to convince people to give you things. Uh, you try to obtain information. And so – you know, I see a lot of commentary out overnight saying this is a frontal assault on journalism. I think that the Justice Department has gone, has been trying to say, no, that's not what this is. But if you just look at the clear text of this, uh, of this new indictment and even this strategy, it's something that other presidents have thought about doing. They haven't quite gone there. And even with Assange directly, the Obama administration thought hard about doing this and decided it just had too many chilling implications on the First Amendment. Uh, that is not a concern for the for the Trump Justice Department, it would appear. And they're going after him using a, a legal theory that's a bit untested and that if you takes to the logical extreme, could affect a whole lot of journalism in a whole lot of realms uh, in, in doing their jobs all over the world.
0: Definitely, definitely going to be keeping an eye on that. And then uh, uh, just uh, be, being here uh, in New York, I, I must ask you on behalf of the uh, uh, the good listeners of WBAI, uh, Bill de Blasio for president. What uh, You got the over under on that?
1: Well, you know, it doesn't seem like many New Yorkers are excited about it. I hope I'm not misjudging the the, the listenership in this. My informal uh, survey of New Yorkers suggests that not a lot of people are high on this. I would say this. I mean, he is a very good retail politician. Mm -hmm. When you see him out there, I think New Yorkers that have seen him for a while, may forget that. And that was a key to his winning the the, the mayor's race in the first place. Uh, I don't think there's a huge clamor for Bill de Blasio um, out there, but, you know, in such a crowded race, it's so hard to predict one way or the other. You can't really say there's 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 no chance. And uh, and I do you again. Know, I think just the pure political skills, uh, the, the, the talent that he has, whether or not New Yorkers are excited about it, uh, uh, whether whether New Yorkers like it or not, uh, it matters a lot more if you live in Des Moines or Manchester, New Hampshire, sure. or Columbia, South Carolina. So he's going to have his chance, just like the others.
0: Yeah, and I mean, as somebody who covered him, I covered him when he ran for mayor, when he ran for public advocate, I covered the guy when he ran for speaker of the city council. So this is, I'm really, <laughs> you know, again, I'm really dating myself with this, but uh, you know, maybe you can just give us a, a, just a couple more words on this. But obviously, running for president isn't always necessarily only running for president. I mean, this is. Uh, he has clearly has a relationship, a longstanding relationship in the past with the Clintons, although that kind of got weird with the whole uh, Hillary Clinton endorsement timing thing. Um, but uh, he's been trying to get on the national stage and be sort of a, an urban populist voice for a while. Do you think that there's uh, on the on the very off chance that he doesn't make it to the White House? Uh, what, what else could be the end game here?
1: it's It's hard to say, I mean, I think he's got a portfolio that that is different than the others as a the mayor of a very big city. I also think you know, get back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago, celeste, yeah. and he knows Trump very well right. and he knows how to get a trump, under trump's skin too and to to cast himself as you know another New Yorker, just a liberal one and a and a competent one, as he would say, right' as someone that can that can go and and do this stuff as someone who knows the trump playbook so well. Uh, maybe there's something in that I mean, I think. There's just there's so many different angles on this. Uh, you know, I think de Blasio, obviously term limited in New York, so he'll be looking for something else to do anyway. Um, uh, you know, even if even if it is viewed with kind of a shrug among New Yorkers, this, this, it's a race that could uh, definitely make some noise. We'll see if he gets in that debate next month. That'll be the first test for him. If he gets on that debate stage. If he doesn't, it's really hard to see the campaign really going much beyond that.
0: Right, I would I would agree, and uh, you've been super generous with your time. So maybe I'm just going to uh, uh, wrap it up with uh, one more question, which is, uh, what am I looking at next week, the week after? What's sort of what's sort of on my on my horizon
1: here on my calendar? Well, I mentioned debate season. I don't know that people have really focused on yet what that means, but the fact that... You can't see it on the radio, 20, but I'm,
0: I'm raising my hand. I'm interested.
1: <laughs> you're interested. So, that, you know, we're about a month away from the first debate. So that's, you know, in some ways, everything else is pregame until those first clashes. And in this case in particular, there are 23, 24 candidates running. There's only 20 debate slots. And a couple of them are going to be filled by people that most people haven't heard of, like the spiritual guru Marianne Williamson, the sure. entrepreneur Andrew Yang. They both say they've qualified. So there's gonna be kind of a winnowing process early on.